the thing I really struggle with is um, a lot of the kind of pastors I look up to because of the size of their church probably are real evangelists. You know, they're just constantly giving appeals and really bold about, you know, sharing the gospel and their faith. And I'm just, I'm, I've tried to be that guy. I desperately have. Like, I've put myself out there so many times. But I'm not by nature an evangelist. Like, some of you guys can't help yourselves. And you're so freakily, embarrassingly bold. It's just like, you know, and you're just saying, you know, my wife's like this. She comes back, you know, after, you know, meeting someone or bumping to someone on the playground. And I'm just cringing with, you said, what? And then you did what? And then you prayed for it. You didn't even do what? And I just can't get my head. And, and there's part of me that sometimes goes, oh, man, am I just a giant failure as a pastor, let alone a Christian, because I'm rubbish at this stuff? Can I get an amen if anyone else is? Okay, good. Um, and, of course, God never wants you to feel like that. And so that's why he has put us in community and given us all sorts of different gifts. And together, when the body works together with all the different gifts, then we're doing the full ministry of Jesus. Not, we can't do it on our own. Christianity is not a lone wolf religion. It's a, it's a community of faith who work together and together with the body of Christ. But we are all called to be witnesses. And, uh, and the Great Commission... Uh, Jesus gives his disciples, says that the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain that Jesus had told them this is after the resurrection, so we're doing well in terms of uh, theme here. Um, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Oh, I love that that's in the book, Uh, just so cool. Like, really? No way. Seriously? And then they transcribe this down. Some of the disciples weren't sure, even though he's physically standing there. Okay. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so this morning I want to look at that, uh, this whole thing of like we're called to, to go into the bay and go into our workplaces and go into our families and share this great news that Jesus is good and he's not religious or boring. In fact, he challenges religious people and he's certainly not boring. Oh my gosh, you hang out with Jesus, he's going to make you discover real adventure, real life. Like that's what he does. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That actually when you were all wired to be in relationship with him. And so then when you do come into relationship with him, it's like coming home. And it's like, oh. But here's, this is what I want to share about today because I want us all on the same walker, uh, paddling in the same direction. And, and at the moment, I feel like God wants us to really look at this alpha thing and really bless that. And so here's the, I want us all to be involved even the rubbish evangelists, okay? So here's my top tips. Uh, Here's the four things I think we can do, and this is I'm especially speaking to rubbish evangelists, okay? This is the cheat's guide to feeling like a little bit better as a Christian, okay? Now, some of you guys, Andre and Robin and Liesel and Bruce Ranimer and, you know, and Terry, clearly, you know, just bold and like, God bless you. Just go check Facebook and read a book or just stare at the, um, the host of witnesses behind us there, whatever you want to do. This is for the rest of us, okay? Now, actually, in fact, for the, the hardcore evangelists, let's make it a competition. How many people can you get to Alpha, all right? Now, that would be... Let's, who's, the, who's the best evangelist? Right, let's have a little Survivor series and see how you go on that. But anyway, go for it. 
Um, but for the rest of us, there's, there's a bunch of things I think we can do that help and it's in terms of the way we think and whatnot. But the first thing, as Terry's just pointed out, is that we can pray. The first thing that we can do is we can pray. If you feel really embarrassed about sharing your faith with people at your workplace or in your family or whatever, or, you know, how do you reach your kids or your partner or whatever, I tell you what, prayer is one of the most powerful things you can do. And, and it's like anyone can do it. I'm really, I'm like all over this because I'm like, I can pray. Like, and the biggest wrestle we've got, we've got is, is it effective? Right? And partly because we live in a microwave generation where if things aren't ready in two minutes, we're starting to get itchy. It's like, I, I'm here to say prayer works, but it's faithful prayer. And what I, I as I've been hanging out with Terry and Harney, I've just been loving this thing of like, I want them to share their story. Not a, I mean, pretty amazing about the allergies and stuff, but it's not like they've got stories about, you know, their whole family line coming to faith. But I don't want those stories. I want faithful prayer stories. And these guys for a year now have been faithful in prayer for their friends and, that's, and their family. And that's so cool. There's a, a guy, uh, this is, uh, so the foundation of prayer is this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked. Well, we know that we have what we asked of him. Uh, this wonderful guy, and this really gets my blood moving, this wonderful guy, Dr. Wesley Jewell, uh, wrote this. He said, prayer is a form of spiritual bombing to saturate an area before God's army of witnesses begin their advance. Prayer is the barrage to drive back the demon host, which are determined to stop the triumph of Christ. Prayer is the invisible force to break down every opposing wall, to open every iron gate and every fast-closed door. Prayer penetrates every curtain of darkness. Prayer crumbles every bastion of darkness. Prayer demolishes every fortress of hell. Prayer is the all-conquering invisible weapon of the army of God. Therefore, Jesus, our victorious captain, lives to intercede. I mean, that is, that is Braveheart stuff almost, you know. It's like, it's so cool. But it's true. I mean, when you start praying, you just start seeing the darkness flee. I'll post these slides on the Facebook page if people want to uh, have them. So one of the things I'd like us to, to once more uh, look at today is, uh, is to pray. And uh, as Terry mentioned, we're going to hand out some cards right now. Chris, if you can divide those up into three. And Now, these, this is the first part of my sermon are the notes that you're going to get on this card and if you want to take them home and write the name of someone that you want to pray for, then you can do that. Uh, and there's a number of prayers on this card that are biblically-based prayers that can help shape your prayer life for uh, your friends and family. And I'm super passionate about this because I've got so much faith for it because I've seen what God does when people pray, and especially skeptical people. <laughs> I just, I've got so many stories over the years that we've been doing this in this church and in our previous church of normal, everyday, skeptical Christians who don't feel like they're that Billy Graham-ish, who have just said, I'll give it a crack, I'm going to pray for one of my mates, and things have happened, like sovereign things have happened. And so can I, my challenge for us all is that for the next, for the next 10 days that we pray every day for somebody, is that cool? This is the challenge I want us, and then if you're not sure if there's somebody, at least pray for Alpha. Now, everyone's going to have somebody. So pray for that person, and then pray for Alpha, even if it's for one minute a day. 
that we just, and this, you can use this card and you can use these prayers and you can either use them once a day or you could use all five of them. But here's what we're going to pray. Number one, that the Father would draw them to Jesus. John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. Um, I remember when a number of years ago, we were praying these prayers and um, and I was really excited because we're seeing God do all this stuff. Anyway, I, I preached this message and then we have an opportunity for prayer. So I start praying with this young man who was, who was a normal Kiwi-looking dude, but quite emotional as he came up the front. And I said, you know, what's the deal? What's going on? He says, I haven't been in church for 10 years. Uh, and I, he said, mate, I've been up to some mischief, like real naughty stuff. And I'm like, right, you don't, don't shock, I'm a pastor, don't want to hear any more, get, my ears will get all freaked out, no, 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 jokes, it's all good, bro, sweetheart. And that's probably how the conversation went. Um, and then I'm like, well, why are you here today? And he's like, I can tell you why I'm here today, because my mum's been praying for me. <laughs> my mum's been praying for me, and she said that she's released the hounds of heaven, and they're going to get me one day. And he's like, and I think they have. And so... He, <laughs> So he's like, and so I just felt this, I woke up this morning and I felt this compulsion, I've got to get to church. And he comes to church and he just meets God in the most beautiful way. And he just, you know, again, he's nervous because he's like, what's God going to think? And all he received was God's love. That's what he does. When you've been really naughty, you know what he does? He loves you even more. It's amazing the way he works like that. And so We're going to pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. This is his heart as he longs for this to happen. But sometimes there are sovereign moments where people just are like, it's like a tractor beam. It's like, I don't know how I got here, but here I am sitting in church. And and I was preaching this very message. This is a bit of a reheat. (laughs) About three years ago, when that guy walked in. And I said in my message, and I'll say it today, you may be sitting here being that person, going, how, how did I wind up here this morning? It's not an accident, because God loves you, and he, he just, he's so stoked. And it's like you felt this compulsion to come here this morning, and he wants to know that you're absolutely loved by him, and you can hang out with him. He's, he longs for that. So we're going to pray for this person, all these people, like Terry and Hani have been doing every day, that the Father would draw them to Jesus. The second thing we're going to pray is we're going to tell the Spirit that, by, that binds their mind to leave. If you want to get more Pentecostal, you can bind the spirit that blinds their minds, in Jesus' name. Now listen, this is from 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Little g. Okay? There's this God of this age, little g, who's blinded the minds of unbelievers. Now, when I read that a number of years ago, I was like, oh, totally I'm like, why is it that I can sit here in church and I can sense God's presence, I can know his nearness, I can hear his voice, I can just, and then I can be like talking to a mate and it's like nothing. I'm like, you know, is anyone home? You know, like they just, I I remember one of my best mates had walked away from the Lord and he's like, I can't feel God's presence. And I'm sitting in this cafe just looking at this guy I desperately love, Uh, he's in my family. And it's I love this guy, and it's like, and I'm like, why? And I'm like sitting there feeling God's presence. I've got like the the, the goosebumps, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, the Holy Spirit in this cafe in Wellington, and he's got nothing. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it's like, mm, mm, 
hold my hand, what's going on? I try to get this across to him, and nothing's happening. And it's because there is a God of this age who blinds the minds of people who don't believe. Most people in our society are blind to who God really is. So I want to bind that spirit that blinds their minds so they can see God for who he really is. Can you feel how powerful this is? Because this isn't just random prayers. This is targeted biblical prayers to help your mates come to faith. That they would know that we're going to pray that they would come to know uh, God as their heavenly Father, as their loving heavenly Father. Or if you want to get uh, a little more Pentecostal, loose the spirit of adoption. That they would fall in love with the person of Jesus. They'd have relationship, not religion. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received about uh, uh, received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Like this is what happens when the Spirit of God just like illuminates you. You're like, I'm a son of God. Like I'm in this relationship with Him. The best way to describe this is from a story I heard from um, a friend of mine. So this is once removed. I always feel like I need to explain because some of the big stories you want to like. I'm close enough that I know that this is real. Okay, so this is uh, so one of my friends, his mate was adopting. Some of you guys have heard the story before, but he was adopting some children in Africa. And uh, these twins, and uh, they were going through the legal uh, process and all the rest of it. And so, what happened is that these two kids, five year old twins, Billy and Becky, started living with Brian and his wife at the guest house in this African country. And they decided, uh, Brian and his wife, to keep the schedule of the orphanage while they began to begin life together. So, the routine for the kids was the same, including the afternoon nap time. And so they go to have this nap, and both of the kids were immediately quiet on their bunk beds, and they're in the same room as, as the parents. Um, and it was really clear they were accustomed to this practice. They, you know, are quiet for starters, so that's a miracle for a five-year-old. Um, and Becky immediately fell asleep, but Billy just lay there, the little five-year-old boy, with his eyes open. And after a few minutes, Brian asked Billy if he'd like to come and lay on Brian to fall asleep. You've got to remember this is the very first day of them being together as father and son. So Billy scrambled out of bed and climbed onto Brian's bed, and within seconds he was sound asleep and stayed that way for a long time. And this photo was taken by Brian's wife. This is the first day that this little son has a dad. And my friend wrote this. He says, We all rest more easily in the loving embrace of a father we barely know, who seems to be accepting us and loving us in ways we can't quite comprehend. And we feel the heartbeat, we feel the warmth, and we feel the arms of acceptance on our backs, and we can rest. That's the most beautiful picture I've ever seen in terms of what God is like. And that's what we're praying for, for our friends, that they wouldn't know God as some religious tyrant or some policeman in the sky or some angry old man, that they would know that God is a heavenly Father. As, uh, as Terry said, we're going to pray that believers cross their path. Uh, pick me, says Terry. <laughs> I want to be one of them. Um, you can pray what you want. I tell you what, I would also suggest you pray that the good ones cross their path because there's a few out there that I'll be keen not to cross the path. Uh, Matthew 9.38, uh, send laborers, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Here's this idea though, your, your partner or your child or your workmate may not be reached by you. So you just got to pray. And again, my faith is sky high on this. The number of stories I've heard of people who've started praying this and they've been praying for their partner and then they discover that another person is beginning to share their faith with them 
is just incredible. Honestly, it's so inspiring. So we're going to pray that believers cross their path. And lastly, we're going to release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so they may see God better. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. We're asking for that eureka moment. Oh, whoa, that's the revelation. Oh, that's who you are. Whoa. Alpha's so much fun. I mean, Bryce and Adriana are going to be loving this. You know, all those that are involved, you're going to love it because through Alpha, you see this happen. Like, it's so beautifully presented. And then there are these light bulb moments where people are like, ooh, that's who God is. Oh, and it's so encouraging. So those are the five prayers that I want to encourage us to pray if you feel like a rubbish evangelist. Uh, because this is powerful. It's, I've seen way too much evidence that prayer works through these prayers to just to, to be a doubting Thomas on this. I'm, I'm a believer. Sign me up. Like I am a card-carrying believer. I've got, I'm not a great evangelist. I've got the card in my wallet, and I pray for people. I don't do it as regularly as Terry and Harney, but it's one of those, it, it sits on my office wall, and I use it to pray. Uh, specific prayers. Again, the reason I'm passionate about this, and I'm, I'm, I love Terry and Harney and their faithfulness in prayer, is because my whole family line has been changed through prayer. You guys that have done the big picture know this. My grandfather came to the Lord in World War II, got onto his knees in the fields of all the fields of Greece, blah blah blah. Comes to faith, writes down a list of everyone in his family who's not a Christian, which is everyone, and then just prays every single day that they would come to know the faith. Now, he didn't have the snazzy card, he just prayed as the Spirit led. He prayed every day, every single day. And in over 60 years, again, microwave generation, get your heads around that 60 years of faithful praying, one by one, a line would go through that person's name as they came to faith. And the only person we're not sure about of our entire family is Great Auntie Patsy. Not a, that's up to the Lord and Great Auntie Patsy. She died. She was tough as nails. And who knows? But like every single person in our family came to faith with a little asterisk there and Great Auntie Patsy at the bottom. It's like, it's insane. And it wasn't like, it wasn't, Pop wasn't a great like evangelist or anything. He just faithful in prayer. And it wasn't like, People were like, you know, you know how these Christians that are just waiting to meet Jesus? Like really good people who just need to meet Jesus? That was not our family. Like it was messy. It was hippies. It was drug users. It was alcoholics. It's that whole thing. And they all came to faith in Jesus. He faithfully prayed every single day for his family. And I'm standing here today as a pastor because of his prayers and our generational line changed. So it may not happen overnight. I'm praying we see fruit in these next 10 days. And I want to build, help us build our faith and to get bold and courageous and powered by the Spirit to share our faith and invite people to Alpha. Absolutely. But I'm also calling us to faithful prayer, that we would see our friends and families change. The, the second... Uh, so number one in terms of the cheat's guide is to pray. Number two is to deal with this idea that people don't want to hear about this great news of Jesus. This idea is that we live in this post-Christian, pluralistic, secular, multi-religious society that's hostile to faith, truth comes religion, and especially institutional religion, right? So it's like, what? I mean, it's super awkward talking about Jesus and having faith in him and going to church these days. It seems like our society is so removed from this being the norm, that where do you even begin? But the reality is actually different. People are desperate to meet Jesus. People are desperate. They just don't know it. 
and they're trying to find meaning in their life. I mean, you've just got to look at Instagram. People are desperately trying to find some sort of meaning and, and trying to have some sort of worldview because, yes, Christianity is weird, right? I mean, you know, believe in Jesus rising from the dead and virgin birth and all that sort of stuff. It's weird. But so is the atheist view that love somehow has come from I don't know where and that this universe is, you know what I mean? Like every, everything is a bit weird in terms of a worldview. It just happens to be that we believe that Jesus did rise again from the dead and is with us today, transforming lives, leading us to life. And so uh, I, would, I would just encourage us to, to, to try and be bold in those conversations because people are desperate to know. I mean, just everywhere I look, you just see this desperation, you know, for, and it expresses itself in alcoholism and in using all sorts of stuff and, and people trying to, you know, find identity in all the wrong places. And, and there's this longing in the heart of every person that just gets diverted in all these places. Then you meet Jesus, like, oh, that's, that's, I've come home. And so it requires compassion and conviction, Right? Uh, sometimes we can have conviction without compassion. You know, we get real like, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, you know, and it's like we get real in the grill. <laughs> and that's really dangerous. Boldly asserting your view is better than someone else's opposing worldview is really dangerous. And the most unreligious, undogmatic person you could come across was Jesus. He really cared. Uh, you know, like he would sit down with one guy, Nicodemus, and it would be a very intellectual conversation. Jesus met him there. And then he would meet another person like the woman at the well, and it would be a very, very different conversation. He just was so in tune with where they were at, he could come and meet them at their point of need. So people are desperate for answers. They're looking for spiritual answers to the big questions of life. But also compassion without convictions, weak and limp. And this is where the Bruce Radimers and, and Andres and others are helpful for us because they've got this conviction and this boldness. And, uh, and, you know, my dad wrote this, if money and social services could heal the world, then we'd be all sorted by now because billions has been spent. And, he, and my dad at this point was running an NGO. So he's like, I'm all in favor of that side of things. But it says, for a city or a nation to be changed, the human heart needs to change and only Jesus can do that. He's like, the only way that you can deal with the corruption and certainly in some of these two-thirds world where all this money goes is the human heart has to change. It's the only way that nations and societies change. The third uh, thing that I uh, can uh, wrestle with is that I'm not good enough. And the thinking goes like this. If you saw my life, you would know that I can't lead people to Jesus because I'm not a very good Christian. In fact, I'm a bad Christian. <laughs> Um, can I just say this? What other kind of Christian is there? The whole point of being a Christian is that you know you're not very good, that we've screwed up. We continue to make a mess at times, but there is a loving God who forgives us through Jesus, who actually lives in us to transform us and make us more like the people we actually long to be. Like, there is nothing but bad Christians. That's just, that's actually who we are. That's our identity on one level. And the minute you think you're a good Christian, you've it's dangerous territory because Jesus did nothing but annoy good Christians and, and just got really, in, you know, they really struggled with him. Uh, all the people in the Bible were deeply flawed, but their authority comes because God says, I am with you, now go in my power. And this is what happens with the 12 Muppets. Like they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they go and they make a massive difference in the world in spite of, uh, of where they're at. And you know, an entry-level thing to this thing of, um, of um, just a, a good little challenge 
for, for beginners like me is to actually tell people what you did this weekend, like honestly, tomorrow when you go back to work. You know, it's like, oh, because yeah, everyone's going to ask you, what did you do over the weekend? How did you do all this? You know, what did you get up to? And you're like, you know, and normally it's like, oh, yeah, we've been surfing, and this, we hang with the kids, and oh, me and the old in-laws, and all, yeah, no, jokes, I've got good in-laws, and then, um, <laughs> very good in-laws, they shouted me curry the other night, anyway, um, anyway, sometimes I think we just got to be honest, say, so, yeah, and then I went to church, stick it in the middle, like, don't stick it at the end because it's super awkward. Stick it, yeah, I went fishing, hung up with the crazy in-laws, I went to church on Sunday, and then went out, you know, had another feed with the family, and then, yeah, watched Formula One, that was really good. And Yeah, stick it in there, but then you're just at least nailing your colours to the mask and saying, I'm a Christian. Because sometimes, you know, like you have those moments where you discover another stealth Christian at your work, and you're like, oh, you too, oh, no, I too, you didn't realise I was there. And it's like, it's all a little embarrassing because you realise, oh man, we've kind of kept it on the little too much on the down low. Just tell folks that that's the deal, and then you'll be sweet. All right, and then the last thing is that we can feel like we're not mature enough uh, to, to tell people. And the thinking goes like this, I've got more questions than answers. I doubt my own faith at times. At times, I doubt God's existence. I've read half a page of one Christian book. I know one verse of the Bible. I can't talk about other people's faith. I can't answer people's questions. Uh, and so how can earth could I be a person who could go and be some great apologist for Jesus? And again, uh, the beauty of the church is that you don't have to have all the answers. Uh, and in fact, it's interesting uh, that in that text be read, some doubted. His, his own disciples had seen all that stuff. Some still doubted. It's okay. Doubt and faith are often flip sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. I wonder if I've got this quote here. Nope, I don't. Um, George MacDonald, the Scottish writer whose works had a huge influence on C.S. Lewis, said this, Do you love your faith so little that you have never battled a single fear lest your faith should not be true? Where there are no doubts, no questions, no perplexities, there can be no growth. And so... Uh, I think people love it. I know, people love it. They're, they're wanting to smell authenticity when we share our faith. So it's not about having this perfectly built house of cards where it's like, you know, it's, all, it's like people can smell that a mile away and, and love to, but when people are honest about, yeah, I've got, it is a bit weird. <laughs> and, you know, and I've had doubts, and, and, but, but overall, I've got to tell you, I think he's real. <laughs> And he's made a huge difference in my life. And it's not just here. I've experienced something of this love of God that's to change my life. And, and again, the beauty with Alpha is that it's not about having the answers. It's about journeying together. So even if you're like, I don't know the answers to your questions, but I tell you what, we can come to a place where it's safe to ask those questions. And Alpha is exactly meant to be like that. It's meant to be a place where people can be brutally honest about what they think. And we can have those sort of really robust, honest conversations. Jesus says to every single one of you, I am sending all of you, even with your doubts. I'm, I'm with you always. It's okay. So you're good to go regardless of your fears or thoughts. And they do. And they do. They go. And two and a half thousand people were uh, added uh, to the Christian church on that first day on Pentecost. And at the end of the first century, there were fewer than 10,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. Uh, the population at the time numbered some 60 million, which meant that Christians made up one hundredth of one percent, or point zero point zero zero one seven percent, according to the figures of a contemporary sociologist. By the year 200, the number may have increased a little more to 200,000, still a tiny minority at uh, under one percent. 
By the year 250, however, the number had risen to more than a million. And the most striking figure, however, comes two generations later. By the year 300, Christians made up 10% of the population, approximately 6 million people. Fast forward today, 2,000 years, people going into all the world saying, Jesus is alive and he loves you. And 2 billion on the planet, people on the planet today identify themselves as Christians because God is at work and his kingdom is advancing. It's like, we, I, and even in this very secular age, his kingdom's advancing. And we're going to see... Some stuff happened. Hey, listen to this. This is so encouraging. In 1901, as far as any statistics tell us, less than 1% of Korea was a Christian. The figures did not even register. At the turn of the century, 49% of the Korean population self-identified as Christian. I mean, this incredible move of God, a nation got changed as missionaries went into that place, which is encouraging for us here in New Zealand. It's happening today. It's spread all around. The reason I love Alpha and I'm really excited about it is because Alpha like, didn't start in some Christian state in America, you know, How, where it's like you've got that. Alpha was birthed in London. I mean, London's secular. It's secular as. It's like a bastion of secularism. It's like... and. You know, at HDB Alpha, uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, the home of the Alpha Church, now they've been running this for, uh, for decades now, and they've built a real culture in their church, which I'm hugely inspired by. People pray, people have confidence that the course is going to be run well, people, you know, there's, but they have up to a thousand non-Christian people per course trying to get in to do Alpha. I'm like, so they have queues around Brompton around the block of that church of non-Christians trying to get into a church to hear about Jesus in London. And this isn't, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I promise you, every Alpha course is like this in Holy Trinity Brompton. I'm like, whoa, people are hungry. And when there is a confidence that rises in the church that the gospel is worth sharing and that we've got tools like Alpha and other things to use to help us, then things start happening. And that's my prayer for us. We're all called to go. Uh, I, I finish with this because I'd love us to spend some time praying this morning. Uh, no matter where we're at, just praying for a friend of ours or someone in our family, just praying uh, for this course. Yeah. So, but I finish with this. Um, Alistair McGrath, who's uh, the professor of historical theology at Oxford, uh, talked, gave this illustration one time of uh, an elephant. He said, one of the ways to tame an elephant is that when it's very small, you tie it to a tree. And as the elephant grows up, it gets the idea that the tree is stronger than it is. It tries initially to break free, but doesn't, and so it learns that the tree is stronger than it is. And as the elephant grows, it, be uh, it becomes far stronger than the tree and could uproot it simply by twitching its trunk, but it feels no reason to do so because it has learnt that the tree is stronger than it is. The elephant is unaware of its own strength and has simply become used to something which isn't the reality at all. And then he says this, This is the way that Western Christianity has become. It has become adjusted and accommodated to the way of Western culture. It feels hesitant about speaking out its true identity. It feels its need to always apologize for the way it is. It has lost that sense of dynamism and confidence that we see in earlier generations of Western Christians. And the result is that unless Western Christianity rediscovers a sense of identity and purpose and confidence, then its own future is very much open to question. I mean, challenging quote. But here's the thing. We are rediscovering. 
that we have an all-powerful God with us who longs to see his children come home. He's with us. And so we're like the elephant with the little chain, with a little, some, a little pig, you know. And I'm like, let's just kick that pig out and go, all right, we're going to go for it. We're going to share confidently about why we are Christians and why we follow Jesus and who he is. And we're going to share our story about the way he's changed our lives. And ideally, we're going to invite people to Alpha so that uh, they can come to hear this for themselves and kick the tires on whether this is true or not for them. And it's just a lovely, lovely environment to do that in. So this is my go team talk for Alpha. Uh, can we be praying? Can we be praying for it, guys? I'd love us to see fruit. In time, this will be something we run a lot more regularly than once a year. I'd love this to become part of the DNA and the culture of our church, partly because it offsets my weakness as an evangelist. We've got tools like this. But I actually think they're really anointed. And in this day and age, if they're, if they're done well, and we're going to run the best Alpha course you've ever seen, we're going to make Alpha great again and all that. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to sound like Trump. Um, direct quote. Um, we're gonna we're gonna run a great alpha. We run the best alphas. We've got just the best. We've got the best team that runs the best alpha. I mean, we just we run great alphas, and you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna break that wall down. Uh, or anti walls. Let's pray. You know, I'd love love us just as we finish to um, to really pray for this course and to pray for our friends um, and family. Uh, let me, let me just, let's just, I'm going to guide us through just some prayers.